Well, hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How are you doing, Danny? Uh, doing well. You know, uh, it was, it's been an eventful few days here for the White Sox, even if it wasn't exactly uh, what we've been hoping for uh, for the past few seasons now, you know. Uh, as anyone who's been following White Sox well knows, we were kind of hoping to be in the midst of a playoff run. And, uh, you know, the window of contention was supposed to be absolutely wide open at this point. But unfortunately, uh, things have taken a turn in the exact opposite direction. So, you know, uh, that being said, I, uh, I feel like the, uh, the events of the last few days have kind of signaled exactly what we talked about last week. And at least we are making, uh, some sort of a push in a direction. And uh, that makes me at least a in little a bit happier. Than I, yeah, in a direction. Uh, you know, the, the White Sox have uh, signaled uh, quite strongly what their intentions are here uh, at the trade deadline. And, uh, you know, like I said, that kind of just makes me a little bit more happy than uh, what we've been watching on the field here in 2023. So, yeah, not doing too bad. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right, you know. Um you know, I did get the uh, the response from somebody on Twitter saying, uh, well, at least you're happy, <laughs> you know, with all the uh, minor league stuff, which, I mean, you know, is not 100% accurate. You know, uh, I would prefer that the White Sox play good baseball than, you know, having to trade away a bunch of people in order to uh, try and restock the system. But, um, you know, I have kind of been of the opinion that every single trade that the White Sox were involved in were overpays. And those are the kind of trades that you want to be a part of. And, you know, especially, you know, given the results that the White Sox have had, uh, the best that one could hope for in this complete cluster of a season is to at least make some good trades. Absolutely. So, you know, I, in that respect, yes, I'm happy. Um, overall, you know, the White Sox are uh, very frustrating. And, uh, you know, I don't really have a, a full answer for you as to why they ended up the way they, they did, you know. but uh, I don't think anyone has that answer, including your front office, your manager, or even the players themselves. Nobody can put a finger on what yeah, Clearly not the front office. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, things are good. You know, uh, me and you hung out the other day. That was nice. Um, that was awesome. Yeah, we went over to, uh, let me see here, uh, bring that up here. Sound Growler Brewing, a uh, band that I mix for. They uh, they played over at Sound Growler over in their side room over there. That was fun. And uh, we partook of uh, some of their beverages and uh, their delicious, delicious steak burritos. Um, that French was a good time. fry stuff steak burrito was fantastic, gotta say. It was. Yeah. yeah, every last bite, including the uh, the bite that I shared with the lead singer of said band that uh, we went to see, which he thought it was happens. Good. Yeah, happens to, uh, you know, you've been doing sound for them for a while. Uh, 
I happen to, uh, you know, be uh, someone that uh, was a regular at the same uh, establishment that serves uh, adult libations, uh, you know, many moons ago. And it's uh, a bar. There you go. <laughs> uh, Will and I, uh, Will and I got to be, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say we were the tightest of friends, but you know, when you see the same person and you're having drinks with the same person, uh, maybe multiple times a week. You know, you, you you get to have a little bit of a camaraderie, and it was really good to uh, you know be able to come out and you know reconnect a little bit with someone I hadn't seen in a long time. So, yeah, really good time was had by all. I would say, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, Thursday night, yeah, absolutely <laughs> agreed. Um, all right, so I guess uh, I will mention that the White Sox did win a couple of games. Um, hey. So, so I mean, we'll we'll go ahead and uh, just casually mention that. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't have an answer as to. I mean, we've had this conversation before that if the White Sox started trading people off, would they possibly go on a run? And at this point, I mean, they waited so long. I don't think it would really matter anyway. Um, but I'm really hoping. Uh, I, th- I believe they have the fourth re- worst record in baseball right now, and a thirteen percent, uh, like thirteen point six percent chance of the first pick. Um, I'm not really hoping that it gets any better at this point because at that point it's counterproductive, um, unless you know. And this is the the thing that has been said before: is that the only way that it is productive is if the guys that you are playing are going to be here next year and after that. So I kind of, I don't know. I I think that, uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping that on August 2nd, uh, either uh, Elvis Andrews has been sent to somebody for a steak and French fry burrito or uh, a bag of balls or something, uh, otherwise DFA him. Um, I'm kind of of the opinion now, if you can't find somebody to take Grandel before the trade deadline, um, DFA him, try and clear him through, clear him through, and hopefully somebody, you know, bites and says, hey, trade him to us so he doesn't go completely on the market and, uh, and you get something for him. Uh, otherwise, I say they should cut him loose because now they've got, you know, a problem that the White Sox have not had uh, pretty much ever is that they have too many catchers. And yeah. the the issue being that uh, these are catchers that you're hoping that are going to develop, you know, Um Right, contrary to what uh, White Sox Twitter will tell you, that uh, the White Sox were in huge, major need of, you know, catchers in this free agent market, which I'm not going to completely disagree with. Uh, to be able to, you know, pry away a top 100 prospect switch hitting catcher uh, in that first trade that we saw in Carroll, uh, fantastic, absolutely fantastic return. Like you said, there, you know, no complaints on the returns there, but. You know, White Sox fans seem to think that there were no other catchers in the system that were capable, and unfortunately, that's just not true. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, major league catchers that are available. So um, since the trades have been going on, there has been a little bit of jockeying in the system. 
And, uh, you know, Evan Skaug was released uh, last Monday. And um, so after that, uh, that kind of cleared up some, you know, some kind of stuff in Charlotte. Uh, Sebastian Rivero is still there. Um, Carlos Perez went back down, so now he's there again. Um, now you have Adam Hackenberg there. Who got bumped from Double A, and you also have Xavier Fernandez, who also got bumped from Double A. But uh, I mean, I'm under no, you know, false hope that Xavier Fernandez is going to become the catcher. I mean, he's kind of, and I, and I won't disrespect his his catching that badly, but uh, you know, he's kind of in the mold of Yermin Mercedes, you know, where he's. You know, he is a yes, he is a catcher, but that's not his strong suit. His strong suit is the bat, and I think he was hitting something like uh, I don't know, four sixty or something in July down in Double A. So they bumped him up, and then um, they moved up. Uh, Victor Torres went straight from the Cannonballers. He went to the developmental list, skipped the dash, and went straight to the Barons. So, and then you acquire Caro, which we'll talk about that deal in a few. And you also acquire Corey Lee. So now you have another catcher in AAA. You've got Carlos Perez, Sebastian Rivero, Adam Hackenberg, Corey Lee, all in AAA. And I might, you know, I might even be forgetting somebody. In fact, I probably am, because I know that they didn't have. Uh, they might have only had two catchers at the time. But I mean, we've just got catchers coming out of the wazoo now, everywhere. And Michael Turner didn't get bumped, and I assume that they didn't bump Michael Turner because they want him to still get reps in advanced day because right. he's a he's a good catcher. Um, so you don't want to block him with Caro. It's just a, it's just a, there's so many catchers now and there's not enough teams to hold on to all of them. And that doesn't even, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, it's just, you know, that doesn't even account the, you know, the 17 year old Venezuelan catcher that we signed and is playing in the DSL and just started in the DSL all-star game hitting third who got a, a single in his first, at, you know, uh, at bat, and he's hitting 409 in the DSL, you know, and you got, you know, uh, what, four four catchers or three catchers in, in low A, you know, between Clonch and Pineda and uh, who else am I forgetting? Uh, oh, yeah, and they moved uh, uh, Ivan Gonzalez. They bumped him up as well. I mean, it's just we now have 15 catchers for four teams. Not really, but I mean, you know, it's just the, the whole thing has just like gotten packed with with catchers, and you know, I the White Sox have have confirmed one thing: they will have two catchers on the major league team. One or two of these guys is going to be the starter and the backup. You don't have this many catchers and not at least have a backup and a starter, especially with one of them being, I think, what was he, the 65th, uh, 65th out of MLB, you know, top 100. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, the yeah. whole thing is just. And as soon as he crazy. comes over in the trade, uh, he slots right into the three spot in your, you know, overall in your farm system. Uh, you know, I think he's. I think he's actually two. Uh, depending on where you look, I think Baseball America had him three in our system. Uh, just because yeah, yeah. MLB pipelines it, too. Yeah, because uh, at the. It was just a couple weeks ago with the midseason rankings. Uh, you know, we, we knew Colson Montgomery was going to be in that top 100 because he started the season, what, like 38, 39, depending on where you look, somewhere in there. You're saying 40. he's going to be top 10 now. Right. I think he's probably going to move up. I don't know if he's going to be top 10, but he's definitely going to move up by season's end into the offseason when they do those rankings. But uh, at the midseason point, Noah Schultz. Goes from being outside of the top 100 to being ranked 44. 44. It, it, you know, and the guy didn't even start the season. Right. Oh, well, I mean, 44. I thought he was 100. Well, he's 100 on MLB Pipeline. I don't know what they did uh, with him on. Just, uh, they did their, they just did their midseason rankings like a week or two ago. At, uh, I think it's Baseball America or Baseball Prospectus, one of them. Yeah, it's Baseball America, probably. I'd have to uh, look. Yeah, he go moved ahead. all the way up to 44. Let me go up. ahead and take a so, look here. Uh, you know, but, you know, going back to the catchers before we, you know, get off on a tangent on, uh, you know, those guys. That's something that the White Sox have not been able to say maybe ever in the history of the franchise that they have uh, an ungodly plethora of catchers within the system that you know on paper most of them look like they have the tools to be uh or, or develop to develop into uh MLB roster spot holders. I'm not saying that any of these guys are gonna be absolute stars. You know, we kind of hope that you know Carroll is gonna fit into that role because it looks like being that he is the highest rated prospect catching prospect in the organization right now. You're, you're hoping that when you trade away Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, that you're getting back an MLB caliber player. But you, you, like you said, you go down the list of all those names, pretty much most of those guys have the potential to at least be, you know, crack an MLB roster. Uh, my thought on that is, is the entire organization that MLB is not just, you know, the White Sox team, but, but every, all these teams out there catching prospects have been kind of one of those, you know, spots where there hasn't been a ton of strength over the years. And if the White Sox can stop up these guys, they might be able to turn a couple of these prospects into maybe some more trade bait during the off season. You know, they develop the guys they want to develop they uh, they shuffle some of the other guys to uh, fill some holes that uh, are going to be left behind at the end of this trade deadline, and uh, you know again into the offseason as well. So I don't know if they'll parlay it that way, but it's definitely not a bad position to have uh, a little bit of wiggle room to play with. Yeah, I mean, I would be surprised if we aren't looking at after the trade deadline comes up tomorrow here. Um, Yaz being gone. And uh, there are rumors swirling about that the White Sox are trying to give him away. Um, 
I mean, I think I'm I'm fairly positive they're probably going to have to eat a bunch of salary to be able to get anything of any value in return. Uh, maybe there's a couple of guys in uh, whatever team that they you know trade them to. You know, if yeah, they I, you know, to find somebody. I think the uh, I think the report that's coming out that you know Bob Nightingale using the actual terminology, you know, uh, is, is a quote give away, Yasmani Grandal. Uh, I think comes for exactly the reason you spoke of. There are going to be some guys that are going to need to be moved around and shuffled. Uh, and, you know, one or two of those guys is going to have to come up to the MLB roster in order to make room for everybody. So uh, I believe Yasmani, one way or another, is going to be gone, even if they do have to eat some of that salary. If not, bunch, you, probably. Yeah, you might see him. No, you, you know, you might see him get the old uh, Difa. Uh, White Sox. White Sox really probably don't want to eat all of his remaining salary, but, uh, you know, it's possible that it could happen. Uh, Sebi's days quite possibly are numbered in that for the same reasons. Uh, and, you know, let's be honest, Sebi has not been uh, something that most White Sox fans would miss. Uh, you know, he's he's filled a role in a hole in a roster spot, and that's about all. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, I think the White Sox are trying to gonna they're basically trying to make some room for some of these younger guys to come up, maybe get a little experience. Some fans will say it's gonna suck that we've got to start these these kids, you know, clocks when we have to do, but you know, the reality is is development doesn't stop when you get to the to the major leagues. This season is a throwaway season at this point. You might as well let these guys come up, get a taste, develop with the big league club. I don't think it's going to be anything that will hurt them. And you still got the whole offseason to, uh, you know, kind of get back together and get back on track at a, a pace that's, you know, a little more likely to uh, get the kind of developing you want out of these guys. So I'm with you. I think uh, I think there's going to be some moves no matter what uh, here in the next 24 hours. Well, one move has been made already, and uh, that is Colson Montgomery is on his way to Birmingham. So uh, I think About that time. was. Yeah, I mean, I. I personally think it was a week or two late, but, uh, you know, hey, he wasn't there for all that long. I think he was there for like 20 games or something like that. Um, so at least at least there's that. Um, so let's talk about these here trades. Um, what? Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez traded together again, end up with the Angels, and the White Sox receive... Uh, Edgar Caro and Kai Bush. Um, Kai Bush made his first uh, start with the Barons the other day and uh, didn't go great, you could say. Um, I think he gave up seven runs. Let me take a look here. I think it was seven runs in like three and a third, if I remember correctly. Where's this guy? I know he's on here. Yeah. Oh, it's on the next page. Not uh, great. <laughs> yeah, not not so great. Uh, he's got 18.90 ERA. Um, seven runs, uh, gave up 12 hits, uh, one walk, no strikeouts in 3.1 innings. And he's not a strikeout pitcher anyway, um, so it wasn't like – you know, that big of a deal that he didn't strike anybody out. But, uh, you know, anyway, he's a left-handed pitcher with a plus slider and a, a good fastball. He's more of a command-type pitcher. He's got a decent uh, curveball, decent changeup. 
Um, I, he did not, I will say this, he did not look comfortable at all in his first start. And the weird thing, you know, like the thing that was kind of strange for me is that um, I remember correctly, I have to think about it, but I'm almost positive that Carroll caught him. So he's throwing with his his normal, you know, the, the battery mate that he's had. Um, so that was a, you know, I kind of thought that maybe he might be a little bit more comfortable, but uh, clearly things did not uh, work out well for him. And also, the other real issue being that they were playing the Shuckers and uh, Jackson Churio, uh, Valeria, uh, Tyler Black. Um, you got two two of those guys, uh, Black and Churio, are... Um, number one and number two. In yeah, number the, uh, yeah in their system, but uh, Churio's number two on MLB Pipeline, and Tyler Black is like number forty-five. Right. Uh, and Valeria is in their top thirty. I, there's like two other guys that are in their starting nine who are in their top thirty. There are a, a couple of their pitchers all in the top thirty. They ended up getting swept in a six-game series, and I mean that. That whole series was difficult to watch, and uh, that game was no different um, other than the fact that they were down quickly, um, and it uh, didn't stop. Uh, although, Yeah, th- and, you know, the other, the other thing I want to say, is too, is, you know, even if you are throwing to your normal battery mate, uh, you know, we got to think about these are some young kids who uh, in, uh, probably a week ago – had no thought that they were going to get traded because it sounded like Anaheim was going to be sellers until they went on a little bit of a run and decided it's probably now or never if we're going to do this thing with Shohei and, you know, maybe Mike Trout comes back and, and finishes the season at the end of the year or if we get into the playoffs, maybe makes it back for a postseason run, you know, whatever his timeline is. Uh, did he come back recently or is he still out? Who's that? Mike Trout. Uh, he, I think he's still he's out. Yeah. Either way, I I think, you know, they were playing, you know, well for a while there, uh, made some moves in the standings and uh, just decided last minute, you know what? We don't really like what we're hearing on Shohei Otani, what the returns are going to be. And we're actually playing some decent ball. So we're going to we're going to become buyers instead of sellers. And uh, I don't think any of these prospects really thought they were going anywhere. It was it's probably a shock to the system to not only go, hey, you know. You're not staying here, but you're going to go to the White Sox and you're going right now. You know, so you're getting that. And it's not comfortable to make a move if you do know it's coming. Yep. So we'll see how, uh, you know, he continues on over the next few months. But I'm not going to judge the guy on his first start after being moved over, especially since, you know, we're talking about a young kid who, when he was drafted, was throwing 97 miles an hour and uh, has no signs of, of slowing down. So, you know, he's definitely the type of pitcher that the, the White Sox seem to adore, where it looks like he's going to be throwing, you know, possibly triple-digit heat on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about that, but it, the thing that's awesome is that he's left-handed. Here you go. The White Sox have a... You know, the awesome thing is is that you go from having no left-handed pitching to Noah Schultz, who is ranked 41 on Baseball America, top 100. Oh, pardon me. Uh, You have Noah Schultz, and then you have Kai Bush, 
you know, after that first deal. So, you know, things looking, looking up here, you know, um, as far as left-handed pitching, you know, we were talking about earlier about how the White Sox hadn't had a left-handed start in, you know, 150 games or whatever it was until whoever it was that made the start. Was it, uh, was it Tanner Banks that made the first left-handed start? It was Tanner Banks. Yeah. It was indeed. So, yeah. Um, happy with the trade i thought it uh you know the value that was provided for two expiring contracts um you weren't going to get any better value than that and you know i had heard rumors that if somebody was going to be traded from the angels it would likely be carol because he was a top 100 and they already have uh logan ohapi who has had a shoulder injury for the you know the year so far but um you know, that's where they were going to get to be able to get return value for, you know, whatever whatever they were looking for when trade deadline came. And lo and behold, there it is. So, uh, yeah, pretty happy with that trade. Although I got to say, real bizarre seeing Gio and uh, Raylo in Angels jerseys. That was bizarre. Yeah, the, the red is it, it. It was it jumped out at you right away. Uh, there was a shot that I saw on Twitter of Giolito sitting in the dugout and, uh, I had to do a double take. Like, is that really, really him? It just, it looked like a completely different person to me at first. I had to literally stare at it for a minute go, yeah, that's Lucas Giolito. You talking about the one with, uh, Otani? Uh Uh-huh. The one where Otani's got that look on his face and. Lucas just kind of looks over his shoulder with a little, uh, sly grin. That's the one. Yeah, he's got to be pretty <laughs> stoked to have him as a teammate. I mean, number one, Absolutely. the guy's the one of the best hitters to ever live. And then second off, you know, he's a pretty stinking good pitcher too. So, yeah. Yeah, Dodgers fans, not real happy right now. Angels fans, probably not extremely happy with uh, the way things have started out for uh, for the guys they picked up. But uh, I'm sure they'll be, uh, they'll be pretty happy with the outcome in the yeah, well, I mean, it's not like, you know, Edgar Caro has really been tearing it up per se in double A, but the thing is, is that they were really aggressive in his assignment to start this year, moving him straight to double A and skipping advance day. But the one thing that did uh, continue between low A and double A is his OBP. The guy still walks a ton, and uh, that skill set has transferred. He's still a very selective hitter. Uh, but the power has dropped off a little bit. I think he had somewhere on uh, the high teens for home runs last year. And this year, I think he's got three in double A. So, uh, you know, look for, uh, you know, as he gets more comfortable and gets used to the skill level, uh, you hope that that power does go up a little bit. Um, I will say, um, seeing him run the bases, he's athletic. You know, which after watching uh, Yaz and Sebi uh, is cool. a is a welcome change. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens before uh, Carol makes his way up there, assuming that he does. Um, but uh, you know, he's I, I watched him behind the plate. He's nimble back there. And on the base pass, he can move too. So, um, 
I'm, you know, I, I, he's, uh, I think he's two for 11 with a walk right now. So it's not like, you know, the, and they're both singles. So it's not like, uh, you know, I'm fawning over his hitting at this particular point, but, uh, no, and it is Birmingham too. You know, it's not exactly, uh, the place where you go to hit with a bunch of power. So you kind of hope that maybe some of those extra base hits come into play with the uh, cavernous outfield there, but, uh, I wouldn't expect his power numbers to be anything that's going to jump off the page while he's in double A anyway. Uh, even as he does get more comfortable, you might see a few here and there, but uh, I'm not expecting him to just come out and, you know, have a 25 dinger season No, next year if he stays in double A all year. Yeah, I don't think that's uh, happening, but no. Now, you know, we can uh, we can kind of keep an eye on that situation and see how things go when he makes the move to Charlotte. Uh, you know, assuming that that eventually does happen, uh, that might be a little bit of a different story, you know, and, you know, we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah. Uh, it says in the comments, it says, uh, top 100 should be viewed with a grain of salt. And I 100% agree with you. Um, so you won't get any arguments here. Yeah. I mean, especially when you look at, uh, what's his, oh, what's his name? Uh, New York, uh, the, the Yankees guy, the shortstop, um, blanking on his name right now. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I was reading chat and I didn't catch your question. The, uh, the shortstop, uh, yeah. Uh, Vol- Volpe, uh, the shortstop for the Yankees. The fact that that guy, that that guy was ranked so high after watching him, I was not impressed. And, uh, that, that's, uh, that's one reason why I agree that, uh, these, these ranking systems favor younger guys. Not necessarily and projectable stuff, you know. Right. And right now, I think Volpe's on track to like strike out like 450 times or something. <laughs> not, not really, but I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. And New York prospects always overhyped. Um, this is 100% true, yeah. And I mean, you it's know, like it, Jason Dominguez, same thing. I mean, it's not that he's necessarily a bad player, or that he won't ever be good, but. You know, like they were saying, oh, look at his body. The guy's going to be the best baseball player to ever live. Just look at his body. And it's like, he's got to play baseball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Moneyball. You know? Oh, yeah. Guy's got an ugly girlfriend. He's got no confidence. No confidence. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. You know, and to go along, just to kind of piggyback on that, talking about the top 100 prospects, I feel the same way about, uh, you know, farm system rankings as well. Uh, cause, because the, you know, that also plays into those top 100 prospects. How many, how many of these top guys, a certain farm system has, and, you know, with a flawed ranking system, the way it is, we've seen it time and time again, where guys are ranked in the top 100, they fall. Some of them never make it to even see an MLB ball club. Others, uh, you know, they make it and they kind of fall flat on their face. So, uh, there's definitely some flaws there. It's all about, like you say, trying to, you know, look at the projectables and uh, go from there. And nobody really knows what's going to happen. So uh, you do kind of hope that when you get these guys like Colson Montgomery, who is actually showing some, uh, some skill, obviously, uh, and some, you know, pitch selectivity that is not something that we're uh, familiar with here in the White Sox system. Uh, And, you know, and the guys like Noah Schultz who, who are, you know, six foot seven, six foot nine 
uh, left-handed pitchers. Again, something we're not familiar with in the White Sox system. You kind of hope that that stuff does project a little bit better than what we've seen in the past. And the same thing with Carroll. You know, he's a bad first catcher. That's something we are, are you know, have been made pretty well aware of. Every uh, every article that's been put out since the trade has kind of said, uh, you know, of the such. But like you say, there's nothing to say that he isn't going to be a halfway decent defensive catcher as well. He is nimble. He does move pretty well behind the plate. Uh, and of course, you know, he's young. He's 20 years old and in double A already. And uh, there is time for him to develop his skills. So. You know, we we kind of cross our fingers and hope that uh, some of the the moves that have been made within the White Sox organization, uh, as far as scouting and strength and development, uh, you kind of uh, kind of seem to find that mesh we've been looking for 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 years here, and uh, you know, we finally start to see some progress in those areas. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that people have been complaining about forever and a day is uh, the developmental team, and you know, I mean, despite, despite the you know how many times I mentioned that the development team has been turned over in the last few years. You know, people still are banging that drum like nonstop. You know, despite the fact that some of the hitters have made so you know turned some big corners and uh, have changed what they're doing and improved in the last few years. But uh, we don't need to talk about that. Uh, I don't want to get into that right now. Um, no, I will say this, though. I, I, the one thing I do want to kind of touch on, we touched on it a little bit last week when Nick was here. Uh, and by the way, you know, I kind of wish Nick was back with us with some of the uh, the moves that have been made and all that yeah. we talked about last week. And it'd be really yeah. kind of cool to uh, to rebut. But yeah, maybe uh, we'll revisit that soon. Yeah. If you were not if you if you weren't here last week, I would say uh, and you're listening to the show, whether you're live with us or you're listening to the podcast uh, later on this week. I would say go back, have a listen on that before you are, you know, come back to this one. And, uh, you know, you'll kind of see some of the uh, projections and, and things that we talked about come to fruition. And, uh, you know, you can kind of find the rebuttals tonight. But awesome show last week. And, you know, Nick is doing his thing on his own, uh, yep. listening to his show. So, you know, he's making some of his rebuttals. So if you're not going to listen to it here, you know, go ahead and check him out over there. On, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Locked on stocks or good guys talk back. But, uh, you know, going back to what I was going to say, the one thing I will say is I'm not on the same page as everybody calling for the front office to be completely overhauled or, you know, Pedro Grafal is not without his faults. Yeah, but but they all have faults. Right. Every manager does. But, you know, to say, I mean, there has been some times, I said it last week, where, he, you know, he looks like Tony LaRusso revisited with some of the moves that he makes. And I'm scratching my head going, what's going on? But at the same time, I don't really fault Rick Hahn for the failure of this rebuild in this team. Because as you and I have spoken about, uh, everyone and their brother, anyone who was a baseball person, the experts all out there thought that during this rebuild, Rick Hahn had really fleeced some teams. Yep. They all, all these trades were the bee's knees. Rick Hahn can't go out and play ball for these guys. He can only put, he can only put together the best team that he thinks possible. Now we can talk about, you know, maybe the scouting department fluffed on some things, but it sounded to me like just about every scout. I mean, and there were major league scouts out there for other teams saying that was a great move and the White Sox are going to be dangerous. So in order to, you know, blame Rick Hahn for everything that's gone wrong with this team, 
I think is kind of an unfair assessment of the yeah. work that he did during this rebuild. He can't go out and play for the players. Can't uh, keep him know, healthy. Can't right. Can't keep him healthy. Can't force his owner to spend the money in strength and conditioning and development of those players. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of heads that need to roll, even though we're throwing all the blame on Rick. I'm not saying he's without blame, but I feel like it's kind of uh, it's it's kind of wrong to direct all the blame. You know, and I, I get yeah, it. I would the, agree with the, that. The head, the head of the the head of the snake is is always going to get the most, but you know, it it is what it is. I digress. I just had to get that out there. Yeah, I mean, I would say that the 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 way that he dispersed his budget that he did have uh, was ill advised, and uh, that'll that, agree with. Yeah, I mean, just badly conceived of. You know, like I I don't know, fifty million dollars plus on a bullpen was like, come on now. <laughs> yeah, not entirely sure that what that was all about. Um, you know, uh. But I mean, yeah, it, he can't. He can't play for the players. Uh, he can only go on what you know is ultimately told to him by people who are evaluating the talent. You know, and uh, I mean, he can make decisions based on that, mixed with you know his own feelings and everything. But I mean, Eloy. Dylan Cease, Lucas Giolito, Dane Dunning, Reynaldo Lopez. I mean, like all of those guys were supposed to be phenomenal. And, you know, Eloy's hurt all the time. Yoan Moncada's hurt all the time. Michael Kopech is, I mean, uh, this is one thing that, like, really just hit me last night when people were complaining about Kopech not, you know, having good outings here as of late. And blaming, of course, blaming the front office for Kopech and, you know, and saying that, oh, the developmental team can't develop anybody. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, well, Michael Kopech is a 100% different person than the guy that they got. He's not a power lifting, you know, angry kid trying to throw the ball 110 miles an hour anymore. You know, he's, you know, between TJ and between his own personal issues that he's had throughout his life, dude's a completely different guy now. You know? He is. So, he is and it's like, yeah, his his command never fixed itself. But, you know, and this is one thing that me and you have talked about is that we I was worried that him not being a power lifter and being like all jacked up anymore, if that was going to change his pitching profile. And it certainly seems that it has. Yeah, sure has. I mean, also, command is the last thing to come back from TJ. But, you know. I have to imagine that this other stuff is probably the actual reason for the issues, you know, is that he's just a different guy now. So what they did develop and what we thought we were getting when he came up and he had that, you know, and everybody showed up for his first start and everybody was oohing and on. Yeah, you and I sat together for that game, did we not? Different guy, yeah. So... 
yeah, kind of, yeah, it's sad. And it's unfortunate the way things have worked out. But, I mean, literally almost every prospect the White Sox had got from that entire time period, nobody's satisfied with anything that they're doing. Luis Robert, right now, for the last yeah, month, finally. That, that's what everybody's happy with. You know, finally. Lucas Giolito. But took a lot longer than anybody wanted or expected as well. We have not once had everybody on the team firing on all cylinders at the same time since this entire thing started. Either somebody's hurt or underperforming or just always or, or just turned out to be bad, you know? So, I mean, you can't – nobody's got a crystal ball here. No. No. And there's, you know, with, uh, with the trade of Lucas Giolito, you know, Lance Lynn, whatever, he was getting old. Uh, he definitely was not the innings eater that uh, he had once had been because he couldn't get past the fifth inning this season. Uh, you know, he had a hard time getting out of the first inning without throwing 30 pitches, you know, the better part of the 2023 season. Uh, but you, we've got some major holes in the rotation, and right now it looks like Michael Kopech is your anchor for the starting rotation. So uh, the White Sox definitely have some work to do. Uh, in the in the upcoming off season for sure, uh, especially if we're to believe the uh, the rhetoric that's being spewed right now is that we're not in a full on rebuild. We want to be competitive in twenty twenty four. Well, they did shed some salary, uh, but as it's been pointed out to me in other chats, you know there are guys that are due some raises this year. So some of that salary, you know, doesn't necessarily look as good as we thought it might. But at the same time, those guys were going to get those raises no matter what, you know, the guys that are still going to be here in 2024. So, you know, getting rid of some of that salary uh, definitely helps. But we're going to have to spend some money. You know, the White Sox are definitely going to spend some money in the offseason. And you hope, you hope and pray that the scouting department has kind of turned its uh, turned its its past uh, gaffes around and uh, find us something because – if not, we're in for another long season or two or three before some of these younger kids start coming up. And we hope that those guys become the you know the guys that we were hoping for and, and being told they could be. Because uh, you know, as we've seen 2016, 2017, and beyond, we were told all those same things. And here we are not expecting we weren't expecting to be where we are today. So uh, yeah. but like you said, there have been some changes, there have been some moves. Uh, you know, we're just waiting to see now if uh, those moves are going to be fruitful as compared to the ones before. Yeah, well, let's move on to the the other trade that was made, which um, is Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly for uh, Nick Nostrini and uh, Jordan Leisure. Um. He so uh, Nestrini um, immediately becomes the White Sox best right-handed pitching prospect. Uh, coming over, he was the number nine Dodgers prospect. Uh, Leisure was not ranked, but it was said by uh, Jim Callis that if they had done a re-ranking, that Leisure would have jumped into the top thirty. Um, also, uh, you know for. <laughs> 
you know, I, I know I said it for Giolito with uh, Giolito and Reynaldo because they were both expiring contracts. For a starter with a 6 ERA and for a reliever that's been injured for half the year, and yes, he did have some good time, you know, and I'm, I'm not, and I like Joe Kelly, but, you know, for Joe Kelly and for, uh, oh yeah, and I forgot about Trace Thompson. Can't for can't leave out that one, the oh. reemergence of Trey Thompson. But um, I have to say, since Lance Lynn can't get left-handers out, and they've got a thousand OPS against them this year, um, I'm pretty happy with the return. And uh, we haven't seen Nestrini or Leisure yet. Uh, Leisure is being right. assigned to Charlotte. And Nestrini's going to double A. And um you know, I put some video out there on our on our Twitter account. Uh if you guys haven't seen that, you could see what uh what the pitchers look like. Uh leisure, lots of fastballs, lots of carry. Um uh Grimtall had linked me, uh had uh tagged me in a Dodgers uh, a Dodgers, like more or less kind of like a, a White Sox daily for the Dodgers. And, um, they were talking about his, uh, his extension and how he gets seven feet of extension out from, from the mound. And I mean, I could tell watching the video on leisure that the guy gets good extension and that fastball just carries and it doesn't drop. It's and it, it it continues at 98 miles an hour. It's nasty. Yeah, and you know that's the kind of fastball that's going to throw hitters off in the major leagues because when you get that kind of ride, where you know they say it's almost like a rising fastball because you're used to seeing that one that kind of drops off a little bit and this thing just rides, never really drops. It's going to confuse a lot of hitters and you're going to be able to blow that high one past a lot of really good hitters. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you said, maybe he doesn't project real high in the rankings, but you know, there is some potential there. Yeah. And I mean, Nestrini, you know, I, I will say like, I, I hadn't watched, you know, I don't watch much Dodgers minor league stuff. I, I like to, because I know that their prospects are generally pretty good. Um, but I just, I mean, I just, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't have that much time. I'm already watching four White Sox minor league games, plus the White Sox, so uh, it, it makes it kind of difficult. So I went and kind of scouted him out a little bit. Um, you know, I he throws more breaking balls than I thought, and they're pretty nasty. <laughs> so okay. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing him pitch. Um, the Barron's rotation is is pretty interesting uh, between Kai Bush and Nestrini and Thompson and Mena. There's some good stuff going on there, and it should be. Yeah, I mean, the Barons have been hard to watch, other than like the first week of July when they look like they were coming out of their shell. They've yeah. been tough to watch. Handful of Christian Mena starts. Uh, looking good. Some of them, you know, you, you could give back, but, uh, again, seeing the potential there, huh, you know, again, but we're talking about guys that are a year or two away. Uh, 
the starting rotation for next season. I hate to keep bringing it up. I hate to beat that drum over and over again, but I just find it difficult to, for the White Sox to be competitive in 2024. I think this is more of that, you know, uh, GM talk that we have uh, kind of grown accustomed to as White Sox fans. So, uh, you know, maybe not 2024. 2025 could be interesting if everything continues to go in the right direction. But uh, don't get your hopes up, folks. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the thing was is that you were supposed to have Burke. You were supposed to have Davis Martin. Davis Martin has TJ. And Sean Burke's been on and off hurt the entire year. I think he's got like four starts or something like that. You know, Garrett Crochet again, you know, coming back from injury and then decides shut down again. He gets shut down again. Uh, you know, we'll probably see him get stretched out a little bit this season with the White Sox when uh, he's ready to come back, which I'm hearing is uh, not that far off. So, you know, that's a plus. But uh, thinking that he's going to be ready to be a full time starter next season is probably uh, not the right train of thought to be having. Uh, you know, we might see him get some starts. But uh, I doubt that he's going to be, uh, you know, a fixated piece in the uh, the rotation anytime soon. So, yeah, yeah it's going to be tough for a little bit. Uh, so I want to briefly mention uh, the Kendall Graveman trade as well. Uh, since we're yeah. gonna, I might as well hit all of them. Uh, Kendall yeah. Graveman traded for the number five Astros prospect, Corey Lee catcher. Uh, he's had a little tiny taste of uh, Major League. Uh, baseball didn't hit particularly well. Uh, known as a fielding first uh, catcher, uh, but I will say, you know, um, he's playing for Sugarland uh, in the PCL. And as far as the PCL goes, he has the second worst park for hitting in the PCL, and he's still putting up uh, pretty decent numbers. And I mean, I know he plays away games and whatever. I didn't look at his splits for home and away, but um, he's still putting up pretty decent numbers uh, in Sugarland. So I kind of think that uh, he might be productive player, you know. And he's uh, Andrew Vaughn's roommate from college, and uh, they're good friends. And I know that it was mentioned in chat that uh, you know about Vaughn's ranking in the top one hundred and whatever. Yeah, that's. Yeah, not looking real pretty at the moment. Not looking like a <laughs> true representation of what he's uh what he's put out yet. Um but you know, I have to say um I'm happy with the returns on all the trades. Um yeah, I mean, you know, for what you put out, what you gave away, you couldn't expect more back. I mean, we're not we're talking about guys like you said, Lance Lynn, who's 36 years old and you know, really on the on the downswing of his career, and you know he's put up a six plus ERA. You know, Lucas Giolito, although you know not at his best, was pretty. He was he was okay. You know, he had some in a rough start to the season, and kind of found it to put it together. And he was right around a four when they when they traded him. So you knew you were going to get a little bit back for him. But we're talking about rentals for the most part on all these guys: Ronaldo Lopez, Lucas Giolito, uh, you know, Lance Lynn. Some of these guys, you know, had club options for next year, but uh, along with those club options, usually comes a buyout, so, you know, teams aren't really on the hook for a lot, and for the White Sox to get some value back was uh, pretty stinking good, in my opinion. Yep, I have to agree with that. Um, So, 
Uh, moving along here, uh, last thing I wanted to hit this week. Um, we have we have roughly about uh, what time is it? It's uh, about ten o'clock. Yeah, it's about yeah, ten o'clock. So we have uh, well, about fourteen hours, fifteen hours until the uh, till the trade deadline hits. I believe is it three o'clock tomorrow? Three o'clock Pacific time. I think it's. Oh, is it Pacific five? time? I think it's five o'clock our time. I thought. Oh, okay. All right. Well, regardless, we've got less than a day until the trade deadline hits. Um, today on Pargle, uh, Parkle, uh, Parkins and Spiegel on the score. <laughs> I knew where you were going. <laughs> uh, John Morosi said that their he new thinks, uh, nickname. Yeah, Parkles. Uh, he says that TA is gone before the deadline tomorrow. John Morosi, you buying it? He, I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't. He just, he didn't say. You know, it was like a it was like a quick fire. Um, yeah, I think segment. I saw something. I think I saw something on Twitter about him saying uh, he thought it would be a weird trade deadline if uh, Jamer Candelario was the best position player traded. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. <laughs> I mean, you know, we all knew that the, the pitching market was going to be pretty ripe. You know, uh, I didn't expect the position player market to be so quiet. Uh, we have seen a flurry of things kind of happen this afternoon and early this evening where some position players have gone. But, you know, Jamer Candelario, really? So, yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know if I buy the whole TA thing. I think... The White Sox have to get a decent amount of return, especially the way Tim's been playing lately. Uh, And the fact that, uh, you know, he's controllable beyond this year with his option next year. Uh, And he comes cheap. You're not going to be able to find a shortstop on the, on the free agent market in the off season. That's going to come in at his kind of uh, contract numbers. No. Anywhere close. So if the White Sox, I mean, the White Sox are going to be hard-pressed to uh, even deal him at all. I know we talked about it. I I thought there was a possibility, you know, we talked about this last week that he does go. Uh, You know, I'm kind of neither here nor there on it, really. Uh, I won't say that he's a clubhouse cancer, but he's definitely been a distraction. We're, We're all standing here talking about it. I'm sorry. What, uh, so, so you're telling me that you can't find very many two thirty-five hitting shortstops that hit singles only on the market. I'm not. Well, uh, I mean, uh, I didn't say that. What I'm saying is, if you look at his production over the past, yeah, oh yeah, no, trust, yeah, I, yeah, and now that uh, he seems like he's you know, kind of found whatever it is. They said he worked on his swing, you know, for months and months and months, and he was coming back from injury. And since the beginning of July, he's been on fire. And then the other night we saw, you know, he finally got his first home run of the 2023 season. Maybe Tim's crushed that thing too. Uh, But at the same time, I, you know, like I said before, as Tim goes, the team goes, when Tim's good, the team's good. When Tim's bad, the team sucks. And that's unfortunate. And if we can't see that level of consistency out of him, I'm not going to be mad if he does go. I just want to make sure that the White Sox. I'm hoping that the White Sox get the return they deserve for him. Yeah. So as far as the first half of the season. Yeah. As far as the uh, the the names that you've heard thrown around, uh, there are the ones that are quote unquote shocking. Uh, T. A. Eloy and Cease. 
do you think any one of those three is gone? Well, I'll say this. This afternoon, Bob Nightingale come out. And, you know, we know Bob Nightingale on the bat phone to Jerry's office. <laughs> you know, he comes out and says now that all of a sudden Dylan Cease and Aaron Bummer, of all people, are untouchable. They have become untouchable. I guess the returns that the White Sox were hoping for, maybe we're not reaching their expectations. So it sounds like those guys have been taken off the table. Aloy, I, I find difficult, you know, because I think the White Sox, are, again, are going to be high on the price. You know, obviously, they're going to entertain. They're going to take calls. You have to. As a GM, you can't say, I'm not even going to listen, you know, on these guys. But uh, I would say the price is probably higher than uh, what the White Sox are going to be, uh, you know, getting in return. So I think Aloy stays. Uh, and then who was the other name you threw out there? Uh, it would be... Uh... Eloy, Cease, and uh, T.A. T.A.? Yeah, I mean, we talked, you know. I, I, of the three, I would say T.A. has got the best shot at going. But, again, uh, it's going to have to take a decent haul to uh, send him into another city. Yeah, that's kind of what I was figuring. I, I, I will be pretty surprised if any one of those three gets traded. Um, But... You know, and we've seen how this whole thing's worked out. I mean, uh, I had somebody mention to me, well, you, the White Sox aren't going to trade their second best player. And I was like, well, he only plays 100 games a year, and 40 of those are spent rehabbing coming back from <laughs> so being injured. So he's really only player. playing 60 games a year. So he's only your second best player 60 games a year. So yeah, third of the season or less. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I. You know, and you're going to get the best return for Cease with having the extra year of control. Um, but I would be pretty surprised if they traded any of those three guys. Um, I would say that TA would be my least uh, shocked one of the three, but uh, especially with the uh, 14 million option and the fact that they are saying that they're going to be competing next year. Uh, like you had mentioned, who's your starting pitching? You're going to have Kopech, Cease, Clevenger if you pick up the $12 million option, so it's going to cost you $16 million to have him for next year. Right, and as it was mentioned in the uh, the chat a little bit ago, uh, the starting free agent pitcher market this year is kind of on the weaker side. Tuki so... Tucson? <laughs> you, he I, did you have know. a really nice game the other day, and he's had a couple uh, of them. He really has shown, uh, you know, some resilience coming in uh, to the White Sox organization and and doing some things after being shuffled all over the league for a while there. So, you know, it's quite possible that you see Tukey in a starting role, at least part of the season next year. You never know. Yeah. And you know what? I've always thought he had, you know, I, I watched him, you know, come up through the through the brave system i didn't watch him with uh the diamondbacks but uh officer doofy the farm system has some decent talent they need to trade the useless and build around colson's come well i mean i mean i i will say that that uh the you know the rankings need to be redone and i i've been posting you know yesterday i posted the the new re-ranked top 30 with the with the new prospects and hey rules how you doing um Brutals. 
But the thing is, is that they don't have any, like Elko's not in there, Jacob Burke's not in there. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that just aren't in there that need to be in the in that listing. I mean, for crying out loud, Yolecki Cespedes, Yolki, is, um, <laughs> is still your 16th ranked prospect right. on MLB Pipeline. Like, that guy hasn't hit, you know, and, and like, thing is, I, I want badly to like you key Cespedes. And we had an episode earlier this year where I was like talking about how much better as I had been. The problem is you can't use a 70 grade power tool when you are hitting with a 30 grade bat to ball, you know, grade. It's it doesn't, you know, it doesn't it doesn't work. So, I I would be pretty sure that I would be I wouldn't be surprised if he dropped out of the top 30 to be honest. Yeah, I mean we talked about this a little bit last week or or the week before where, you know, sure, they worked on his pitch selectivity uh and it seems to have done things for his walk rate and his K rate, but you know, unfortunately, uh it's also done some things with him actually, you know, when you shoulder the bat, you can't hit the ball hard. So uh, it's had a little bit of a negative effect there. So, I, you know, I don't know what to expect. Maybe it's something that he works his way through in the offseason and we see a little bit different Uwalki uh, next year. But like you say, there are some guys that are ready to graduate into that top 30. So you mentioned Tim Elko. Sure, he's down at the lower levels right now. Uh, and I want to ask you, when do you think this guy gets promoted? When do we see him in double A? I, I would imagine it's probably, I mean, I would say mid-August. Maybe if he, I mean, if he continues what he's doing right now, because his his average just keeps creeping up. He's hitting, I think. I mean, the guy's killing it. Yeah, I think he's hitting three fourteen, and he's got like a one thousand fifty OPS or something like that. And the guy just nothing but extra base hits. You know, well, I won't say nothing because thing is, is his strikeout rates dropped. Right. You know, he's and aggressive on the bases. He's he's quick. Defensively, he he looks smooth. It's a decent first baseman. I mean, I don't know, it, you know, like uh, there's there's been some awesome tweets uh, on the thing, you know, uh, Andrew Vaughn better watch his back, which is at this point it's still funny, but I mean, if you give it another couple months and he's still out there banging away, mm, well, you know, Andrew Vaughn's got the the foot issue. You know, you hope that that, you know, resolves itself at some point before next season. But, you know, let's be honest. It's another one of those things where the White Sox seem to, we're just going to keep throwing our injured players out there. We're not even going to give them the time they need to uh, rehabilitate. And uh, it's going to be detrimental to, uh, you know, his numbers for the season. You can't, you can't tell me that that's not having an effect on his gameplay. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like the, the, the psyche has probably taken a toll for the way that he has been handled, and it's certainly probably not helping at all. Um, you know, I mean, one thing that came to mind yesterday is just like, I mean, is it possible that the White Sox haven't drafted enough winners in the past? You know, when they were looking more at stats. Instead of looking at guys that have that killer instinct, 
Tim Elko, guy went to the College World Series with no ACLs in his knees, went out and hit three home runs, you know, and, you know, and he gets drafted by the White Sox. Nobody pays him any mind. And, you know, last year, longest season of his life. So, you know, it, I, I would imagine that that took a toll on him mentally and physically, Absolutely. you know. Uh, but this year, the guy just keeps hitting. Smoke show. And Absolute when guys are on base, he hits them in. So, you know, maybe you know. the White Sox uh, – maybe getting some winners into the system that are used to winning won't put up with the culture that the White Sox have built on the minor league system that has been losing records for years and years and years. I mean, the they don't have what – I mean, you look at the Tampa Bay Rays system, and every year, every single one of their minor league teams is winning. Yeah, and they are known for, I mean, they pull prospects from other teams that really don't look like a whole lot. And then they come out and they do things that were just not expected of these guys. And, you know, I, I credit not just their development team there, but their scouting department just seems to find guys that, I don't know if these guys are just pouring over, you know, eons of tape on each one of these players and finding like one little small hitch or one little small thing that they just need to touch on and turn these guys into superstars. You know, we've seen it yeah. with uh, Randy Rosarino when he was pulled away. We've seen it, you know, IKF who started there and, and he got traded away has now become, a, you know, a, a, a star where he's at, you know, uh, they, they just had a bunch of guys that come through their system and do things even after they leave Tampa, they, they continue to go on and, and do things. So I think, yeah, I think that it's, it's like th- them instilling an attitude and a win, you know, a winning mindset. Right. And you would hope that, that these, some of these young guys in the white Sox organization that have that kind of mindset can have some influence on some of these other players. You know, we talked about it a little bit with Zach Remillard coming up. This guy comes up and, you know, he's been held back for so long and he has done nothing but hit his entire minor league career. And he's been held back because, you know, guys like Yohan Moncada got a big early extension. You know, we uh, you got Jake Berger, who is this big prospect that everybody talked about. And even during his injury. Back and is he going to the same? But it was still all Jake Berger. Nobody was talking about Zach Remillard. Zach Remillard gets his taste, and he goes out there and he plays with all the heart in the world. Yeah, I mean, I think I I will say, I think that the reason why, part of the reason why he was held back, Leori and uh, Danny Mendick. Because Danny Mendick is Zach Remillard, to a point. You know, he is a a try-hard utility player that can play all over the place, and whenever you put him somewhere, he's going to do... What needs to be done when he comes up in a bat, he is going to do what the team needs. Right. And that's why he was held back, you know? I, and the thing is, well, is that he came up and Zach, he's doing his thing. I'm just throwing Zach out there because he's an example of, you know, what you kind of hope to see with this new young cast that's going to be coming through the system. 
as opposed to some of these guys who, you know, I get it. It's easy to get down on yourself when you're not performing, but then there's that other part of it where they just look, uh, they, they look lost. They look uh, uninterested at times, you know, sure. A lot of these guys are fighting through injuries and, you know, they've, it's difficult when the entire, you know, starting lineup is uh, going through, you know, some things all at the same time, but yeah, whether it be physical or mental or uh, emotional with their personal lives, because they're doing something stupid, you know, I mean, it's just, there, there were so many, different circumstances that affected the White Sox this year, that there's not one single answer that's going to be like a blanket for what happened to this team. But, uh, man, no, what a train you wreck. Know, Danny Mendix, <laughs> when they came up, and the Zach Remillards, when they came up, didn't let any of that affect them. They just said, I'm going to go out there, and like you said, I'm going to be a tryhard. This is my shot. This is my opportunity. I'm going to take full advantage of it. So, you know, I, again, you hope the scouting department has found those guys that are going to play with the passion that has gotten them to this point in their careers and yeah. not get a payday and say, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm a little dinged up. I get a bruise on my pinky and I, uh, you know, I can't play today, coach. Yeah. I got a hangnail and uh, I can't run to first base. I mean, it might be perfectly possible that these guys uh, legs are about to fall off. Well, and that's why I mean, they can't run and they're being told not to run. I mean, but here's, you know, like we talked about this until we go blue in the face and we have talked about it. If they don't put them on the IL, then whose fault is it? Right. It's the front offices, because they right. got to put these guys on the IL. You can't right. put guys that have legs that are about to fall off in the starting right. lineup. And you're asking your you're asking your first year manager to uh, field a team when you've got three guys who are on your bench that are dinged up, and you got two or three guys on your field that are dinged up. You're hamstringing. You, and speaking of hamstring, you know maybe we should uh, change the White Sox logo to a uh, you know a torn hamstring. Just put that on a hat. Yeah. Well, I don't. I also you know I got I got Tony running across here. I don't want to make it seem like it's. Only happened to Pedro because the same thing happened to TLR, you know, that, right. that Pedro was saying, oh, I'm going to choose his bat over his legs. And, you know, we can sit here and talk about how, you know, ridiculous that is. But, I mean, it's happened to it's happened multiple years in a row. So clearly it's a philosophy uh, priority problem. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. Anywho. So um, we've got a day left here. Uh, a little less than a day until we see how the uh, trade market unfolds. And I'm sure there might even be possibly a couple moves after that, uh, depending on how uh, how aggressive they get with things. Um, we'll see if anybody else moves here in the next day. And uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll also get our first looks at uh, Nestrini and uh, Leisure. Leisure. Right. Uh, we'll get another... Kai Bush start. We'll get another, uh, you know, week of Edgar Caro starts, and we'll see how he comes back. We'll get to see Corey Lee in AAA. This is going to be a good week um, for at least, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, getting eyeballs out there and seeing what we got back because uh, that's always one of those things. Is like I can sit here and read uh, you know, scouting reports from Baseball America, blah, blah, blah. But until I, you know, get my own eyes on them, 
I don't like to, uh, you know, just parrot out information. So, um, right. uh, yeah, so I think uh, until next Monday, um, I'm just going to have my eyes peeled and see what's going on there. Uh, you got anything interesting coming up this week? Uh, not particularly, no. Uh, I am uh, going to spend the weekend uh, doing some tubing on the tip of Canoe mm-hmm. River in ah, the good old yeah, good old Indiana. Uh, so I'm going to spend some time out there, but I will definitely be keeping an eye on the uh, the situation on the south side here. Like you said, looking for uh, first looks at some of the uh, the process that are traded over, and uh, you know you never know we might see another move too before uh, the end of day tomorrow. And uh, as that comes I mean, out, you know, if we see something of extreme value, maybe we'll do a, a quickie. I, don't, I won't be able to, uh, actually. Yeah. Uh, me and Mr. John Rudels uh, tomorrow morning are going down to uh, do some scouting. Not really. Uh, we're going to the uh, Cardinals uh, Twins game tomorrow. And uh, on Wednesday, we're going to uh, Kaufman to go see the uh, Royals versus the Mets. And then, uh, hey. yeah, and then we're going to hang out with uh, family for a few days. Uh, kind of got like a mini family reunion for my uh, mom's side. So we're going to go hang out down there and hang out and uh, go see some Clydesdales. And it should be fun. Cool. cool. Yeah, so that's Very what we good. got going on. Very nice. Yeah. So uh, we will uh, reconvene next Monday, hopefully something interesting you know uh hopefully i'm hoping for another trade um yeah i, I would think, hope uh, i think a lot, a lot of fans are looking for at least one more i mean you got keenan middleton expiring you've got grandal expiring expired expired um <laughs> so i mean i'm hoping That's that we get this works <laughs> i'm hoping that we get another another wave of a couple of trades here. And even if it doesn't end up being like anything, uh, you know, groundbreaking or anything, you know, hopefully they, I, they have identified some guys, you know, in other systems that can profile nicely for the white Sox and hopefully help them out in the long run. I, you know, I'm not expecting you anything know, huge for either of them, but you know, I'd be happy with, you know, one, maybe two DFAs that are holding up some, uh, some positions of interest. Well, I mean, if leave it at that, we've spoken enough about those. Yeah, things. if that trade deadline hits and there are a couple of guys that haven't been moved, launch them. Andrew Grandal out. See Possibly out. even Tabby. You know, yeah. I I mean, to be honest, I'm actually shocked that he's lasted as long as he has. Uh, I was expecting him to get, you know, launched a few years ago. And, uh, no, seriously, <laughs> right. you know, because in, in, in the minors, he had stopped hitting. He couldn't remember right. how to hit, you know? Right. And it's like he came up and he hit okay, you know, enough to stick around because uh, he's labeled a defense first catcher, which is 100% not the case. Uh, he's well, a, you remember okay that catcher. time, too. It was like. Like it was Zach Collins, Sebi Zavala, and well, you know yeah. the aforementioned Yermin Mercedes ah, yes. were the uh, three top catching prospects in the organization. Oof. And we saw the shuffle back <laughs> forth where this guy'd get two games, 
you know, in a Ricky Renteria season and another guy would get two or three games in a Ricky Renteria season while Yasmani Grandal is down with a foot or a back or a thumb or whatever it is. And none of them, not a single one of them really did what we hope for. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you combined all three of them, mean? if you, you combined all three of them, you could get a 250 hit and catcher that still couldn't catch. You know? I mean, Sebi's better than the other two, but I mean, like. Yeah, his defense is something that you want to hang your head on. Yeah. Uh, But, I mean, if you took Sebi's defense for what it is, and you gave him your your mean Mercedes bat, you might have an all-catcher. Yeah, that would be fine. (laughs) That would be fine. I take that. Unfortunately, Uh, you know, we can't. uh, This isn't. You know, Doctor Moreau's eye that we're uh, working on these things here. So it could be. Um. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, uh, until next week, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will see you guys on Monday next week, and uh, hopefully we'll have something interesting to talk about. Hopefully, there's a uh, couple win streaks going on in the minor leagues, and uh, hopefully the White Sox don't win too much because uh, we don't want to tank that draft position. Um. So uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter, uh, whitesoxdaily.substack.com. Uh, you can find written articles. Uh, you can search us up on YouTube if you are not watching us on YouTube currently. Um, you could uh, also search us on Facebook. We have a uh, page on Facebook. Um, my name is Ian Eskridge at iEskridge on Twitter. My co-host, the Danny Miller. You can find him at Danny Miller WSD on Twitter. You guys have a great week, and we will talk at you guys next week. Thanks. Have a great night.